bees in his library? Confound it, madam, my language is most controlled. I say we take off and nuke the entire scythe mortar. It's the only way to be sure. In a thousand years, Gandahar was destroyed. A thousand years ago, Gandahar will be saved. The spice extends life. Silent breed is people! Welcome, listener, to Starcrashed. We discuss genre movies released before the year 2000. And this is a special episode as we are traveling back in time and uh, dipping our toes into the silent era. The very silent era, let's say. <laughs> it's it's so silent, we, there are only like clips of 10 seconds here. <laughs> and uh, so uh, my name is Ebba. And my name is Linnea. And I'll uh, I'll leave it to you, Linnea, to sort of explain what we are embarking upon here, and uh, you know, sort of let the listener have a <laughs> sense of scenery, let's say. <laughs> yeah, we are going back all the way to the 1800s, um, mm-hmm. and I think one of the reasons that we wanted to do this was that first of all we want to give short films some love because you know they don't always get mm-hmm. as much attention as as uh, the feature length uh, films um and also you know explore film history a little bit which is something that I do a lot I'm quite interested in, uh, in this um and I wanted to to share the experience with you <laughs> um <laughs> both to you Eba and to our listeners of course mm-hmm. um So I put together a a package of short films from the 1800s. um, And the way I put together this selection is, this is not a list of, oh, these are the most important films from the 1800s. Because, you know, I, I partly sort of based it on that. You know, some of these films are considered to be the, the, the first on, of doing a special uh, um, thing, uh, as we're going to talk more in detail about later. Mm. Um, And also I I, I sort of tried to cover maybe the most famous filmmakers from the period, um, which we also, we're going to mention several names here, I imagine that uh, uh, may ring a bell for some people who are familiar with these Mm. films. But I also chose films that I thought were relevant for the podcast, meaning that there is a focus on fantasy, sci-fi, horror, animation, maybe a little bit more sort of experimental titles. Um, mm. So you're not going to see the uh, a train arrives to the station film that is very, <laughs> that's a very, very famous uh, film from this time period. Yeah. But I just didn't feel that it was really a good fit for the podcast. So I didn't choose, mm. I didn't choose that one. Um, and also, you know, I did base this off the films that I have seen. I have not seen every single film that exists from the 1800s. So, you know, I, I... I'd be concerned <laughs> if you had <laughs> for your health, honestly. <laughs> I have seen quite, quite a few, many from the time period, but I haven't seen all of them. Um, uh, so, you know, there is some of these films, or at least, one of them is just me sort of including one that I thought were really cool and that I wanted to to share with Ebba. So that's sort of 
the basis on the selection here. It's not the end-all, be-all list of the best of the 1800s, and it shouldn't be considered that. But it is, I think, a good sort of selection of uh, the kinds of films that were popular uh, during this time, and the sort of the diversity of films that were available at the time and sort of emerge during this time. And also, uh, I think it's a good thing to point out that we will talk about, oh, this film was the first in doing something, uh, but that is sort of a little bit of a misnomer because there is so much of the, the, the film, the films produced during this time period that is now lost. I mean, mm, yeah. depending on who you ask, the number vary on how much is lost, but, but some estimates says that it's up to 90% of the films produced during this time period that is lost. So you can't actually say if a film was the very first or in, you know, very rarely can you say that a film was the very first in doing something. So what we mean when we say it's the first one doing this, it's more like it's the first surviving, or the, the earliest surviving example of mm. that, or it's the earliest documented example mm. of that. Um, however, if it's if it really were the first, that's sort of mm, maybe <laughs> we can't really yeah. say. Um, yeah, that so. might be changed in the future. Like this is what we're working with. Yes, this is what survived. This is what we know. Yes, exactly. Uh, and it, it uh, you know, as archives delve deeper into their materials, uh, things might surface, and we might need to change our yes. um, <laughs> knowledge a bit. Yes. Um, but yeah, absolutely, and and. Uh, I, I was. I think it's like you say. It is a really good starting point. I think. I think you've collected. Uh, I don't know how many they are right now. Um, eyeballing it here, about ten or so. Yeah, I think I, yeah. I. I aimed for ten to fifteen, and I think yeah. I ended up on like thirteen or something. I don't remember either the exact number of films. Yeah, and you and they are very varied in, in style, but also in 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 just in length. Also, well, a couple are just like a few seconds, and there are. Um, at least one, I think, that is a few minutes. Mm. So there's also a difference in length and uh, subject and uh, very different in style, like I said. So I think it's an excellent starting point. And I think we'll be making it, or you'll be making mm. it available as a sort of favorite kind of playlist on YouTube, yes. correct? Yes, I will. Yeah, sort of um. from oldest to, to um, youngest, um, yeah. spanning 1874 to... 1898 yes. and it is it is um, incredible to see the amount of um, um, you know I ingenuity and progress mm. just during that time because also when you're thinking of the technology that they were working with I mean it is it is stone age it's incredible but <laughs> yes. it is the stone age <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> of, uh, of movie making uh, and it just blows my mind to imagine that you know so many clips and and films were being made uh, even though the technology was rather crude and it just kind of shows how how humans how we really want to just create and make art and tell stories and uh, you know have a conversation with media let's say mm. and I think it's um it's really I don't know it's just really inspiring uh to to think of it in like in that way so 
yeah, uh, it will be available on your YouTube um, at some point if if uh, the listener would like to uh, check it out after listening to this uh, podcast or maybe pause here and go and watch it and uh, then sort of you know <laughs> press play here again and, and join <laughs> yes. us in our discussion um should we mention because there is a di- another part to this episode um just in case someone also would like to watch <laughs> that too <laughs> do we want to get into that now or would you like to sort of start with a no this, no go uh, ahead well um yeah well i should say maybe before you go into that that the youtube playlist that i will make of these films that we are discussing uh will be on my personal youtube yes, uh, star you. crash does not have an official youtube channel <laughs> at this point maybe in the future who knows um, but my channel is robot maria uh, which is a reference to a film <laughs> for those in the know um, and I will link it on uh, Star Crash Facebook page uh, when it's uh, when I have made the playlist so it would be available there excellent excellent uh, you could say that our Star Crash uh, podcast YouTube is also in its stone age well not even stone age it's it's not even like anatomically modern human it's uh... <laughs> way back in a non-existence uh, but yeah awesome so the other part that I was talking about is that we also watched a documentary in preparation for this episode uh, which is called Be Natural and it's about a filmmaker called not called named uh, Alice Guy Blanchet yes <laughs> I got French <laughs> it's now the time that I should mention that I've been delving into Duolingo and French <laughs> For like two weeks and I, st- I can't even pronounce correctly a, a fairly easy French name here even. Uh, but about Alice Guy, Guy Blanchet, who was really part of the pioneering group, let's mm. say, of yes. people who made movies, like starting with clips and then sort of trying to tell stories with cinema and, and really just, man, being so productive and being so... Um, incredible and just in, in the amount of movies she made and the and the journey she made. I mean, she even ended up making a production company in in USA and being successful up to a point because you know wars and stuff happened mm. and marriages were failing and things like that. You, 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 it's out of your control, really. Uh, and just her, also her struggle later in life as just not being recognized at all, like even having films being miscredited, which I'm sure she wasn't alone on. I I'm, I'm, can imagine this being a very um, common problem <laughs> yes, with yes. movies way back, like people just being, oh, I'm sure it was... Uh, Henry Oxford person who made that movie and and some Sam man is like no that was actually me and it just been forgotten mm. so Wild West uh, but yeah um, for a Swedish listener if you have a public library card uh, a lot of libraries are connected to a service called Cineastena so you there is where you can find this documentary for free. Uh, otherwise, I'm sure you can maybe find it um, to rent on YouTube or streaming services like that but um, just a side note to any Swedish persons <laughs> <laughs> out there in case there are any uh, yeah so let's get into it so we're talking stone age machines and we're talking only pictures no sound initially mm. 
Um, well, there, will, do you wanna... there will be one where we are talking about exactly. sound. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's start off then with the first one, Passage of Venus from 1874. Mm. Uh, would you like to make any interesting note or something um, that might be good to know? <laughs> Um, well, the, the reason this one is included on our selection is that uh, it is, or at least it was when I put this selection together, the oldest entry on IMDb uh, from 1874, which is really, really old. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and it uh, portrays a um, the sun, and then we have the, the planet of Venus passing in front of the sun. It is not a, f- uh, a film of the actual Venus passage that that happened that year, uh, but it is more a uh, studio test where they were sort of preparing for the passage and they were going to take photos of it. Um, And I believe they did take photos of the real passage, but they've been lost or destroyed. Ah. So so this is what survived. And this is it's sort of how should I say It's, it's a transition here from photography into film Mm. uh, in which this is more of a a series of photographs that's been put together to sort of appear like a film but whether or not it's an actual film you know that depends on who you're asking i personally Mm. i would say yeah it's a film it's not made with necessarily the same techniques as some of the the other films we're going to discuss today but it is still projecting the same kind of idea as a film and and mm. i think to me that that sort of makes it a film um but other people might disagree on that that there's some discussion going on there on whether or not it's a film oh, uh. i can imagine <laughs> and also like just just let's recognize for for a moment here that the technology at this time was also like there were very different ways that they were trying to make film happen mm. uh and they would so so really um, it can get a bit complicated, yeah, and there's yeah. a lot to be said about that. But but um, I'm I don't know anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm if you say it's a film, Linnea, I'm gonna go like uh, Passage of Venus. Yes, <laughs> first film. <laughs> um, but I, I can't really say much about it. I mean, it's it's kind of neat that they were trying to immortalize. Like or being at least inspired by an event and trying to immortalize it with a moving image, mm. let's say. I mean, so, as as someone, you know, personally, as someone who has worked in the field of mm. astronomy, I think this is incredibly cool. Even if it's not the real yeah. Venus passage, it's still just oh, so you know, this was in their heads, in their minds yes, uh, exactly. when making this. It's just yeah, so cool. <laughs> and just imagine them, 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 them watching it and just being like, "Wow, we." Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know how the passage of Venus actually looks in you know if you're looking at it, but just them sort of looking at it and being like, "Wow, we made this." Just imagine what we can do next Mm. you know uh we've recreated almost a moment and just think of the possibilities ahead um kind of like i feel how maybe let's say the first time someone made a passable vr set sure (laughs) and they were like wow cool (laughs) this will be incredible can you imagine uh kind of that feeling Mm. um so is there anything else you want to mention about Passage of Venus? Um, not really, no. It's it's the kind of film that I think 
sort of uh, science nerds or maybe science fiction nerds will be probably mostly attracted to but it's mm. just you know so cool that one of the earliest films out there is yeah. on space um and yeah like i said this particular film was made using models but i do think it looks realistic i mean i i question maybe a little bit the size of the planet i think it looks maybe a little bit too big but then i mm. have i hadn't counted on on how big it should be but it's just mm. you know having a quick look at it i think maybe the planet looks a little bit too big but that that's nitpicks really um because what i find awe inspiring with this is just sort of you know they went with that scale you know of space it's yeah. just mm, it's really really cool looking up to the stars yes that's um yeah that's a nice um sort of sentiment i guess um, and next we have, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this name. <laughs> Hang on to your seats, folks. It, it, is it just Edward? I'm going to go with Edward. I, Edward Mybridge. I think it's... it is not spelled the way you think, listener. <laughs> it is not spelled that way. <laughs> just I, FYI. Yeah, I believe it's just pronounced Edward, uh, but it's not spelled the way Edward usually is. So. It's an Edward is trying to be fancy. <laughs> And failing at it, but <laughs> you do you, Edward. <laughs> so it's uh, Sally Gardner at a gallop uh, from 1878. What do we know about this one? Well, um, for anyone who has delved into um, the films of the 1800s, will know that Edward Mybridge was really, really productive with doing his uh, animal and human anatomy studies. Like, you can find mm -hmm. so many of these out there. Uh, and I've seen so many of them that I can't really oh. tell them apart anymore. So, is, is whenever, because there's a lot of like, whenever there's, you know, talkings about making movies like way back at this time there's always like the ones the men are running and things like that is is it edward who's doing all those running people running i would say he, he has done dogs yeah like nine, <laughs> nine, 90 percent of all those films yeah. he has made yes <laughs> such, in such a rush with edward <laughs> Such a rush, <laughs> such a hurry. <laughs> um, I, Sally Gardner at the Gallup uh, is, I would say, his most famous one. And I mm. believe it was also like the first or the very, f one of the first that he made. Um, and it, it, it is supposed to be an anatomy study of motion. Um, I mean, uh, that was sort of the point with all, all the films that he made, is, is that they were studies of motion. There is some... Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not really sure how much knowledge we actually gained from these films. Um, <laughs> Sally Gardner at the Galop is usually stated as being, oh, so now we can actually see that the horse has all four hooves in the air at the same time. Oh. Uh, and you just sort of like, yeah, yeah, is that really that much knowledge gained from that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I am <clears throat> right now because... <laughs> Do not ask me where uh, I was stumbled upon this way back. There, you know those kind of paintings that are always in the English countrysides and elsewhere, but usually mentions English. You you get the scenery, and we're talking like eighteen hundreds now. Mm. And there, there's a hunting scene with like a red coat, per, per, like a man in a red coat, and he's on a horse, and they are hunting, and there's dogs in front. Uh, and they are galloping, but you know, a 
apparently that's not how horses look when they gallop. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think <laughs> actually this film might have been useful to show, you know what? That kind of horse leap that they're doing in all of those country hunting scenes are actually not, uh, they are just made up. Fair enough. So yes. who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, I will say I that... I yeah. people knew how humans <laughs> ran though. Sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry for, for Sally Gardner at the Galop, I guess there was some knowledge gained, but for some, <laughs> for some of his other films, I question whether there were actually any, any new anatomy yeah. or motion study uh, that was new. Um, though I will say that there was one other... Uh, my Witch film that I did consider for this list. Um, I think it just goes by the name The Kiss uh, or something similar to that. And it is, if you count these as films, uh, mm. the very first kiss on film. And it is between two naked mm. women. So oh, there's that. Oh, of course yes. it is. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I did consider that one, but I eventually... But you're a classy, classy lady, so you uh, said no. <laughs> um, Well, I mean, I, I do kind of think that it's uh, fun that the very first kiss on on film is between two women. But yes. um, I, I did... I did choose Sally Gardner over The Kiss because Sally Gardner is more famous and I, I didn't want mm. more than one Mybridge film on the list because, you know, I mm. wanted to cover more directors. So. Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, and speaking of, uh, let's move on to Etienne Jules-Marie. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's something like that. Let's go with that. Yes. Uh, L'Homme Machine from 1885. So we are making a leap here in years. Mm. Um, seven that is my god that took me way too long to count <laughs> but uh seven years <laughs> most of those are just uh, my bridge doing his stuff <laughs> precisely just a bunch of ladies kissing uh we don't say no to that uh, but yeah so uh any anything you want to introduce it with uh so lum machine is also emotion study of a kind but it is uh, more sort of animated. I do think that uh, when uh, my uh, drew this he based it on like actual an actual human moving mm. uh, but it is not that we see. We don't see the human. We see his sort of um, it's essentially a line drawing of a human and yeah. the movement of that and it is I would say the first animated film it's i mean mm. it's very very basic cool. animation but it is still an animation of a kind yes i'll be honest like this one is kind of like squint and you see it <laughs> uh, because it was a bit blurry in how it was done because it, it stayed on the frame if mm. that makes sense mm. so you have a, a um it's not like a stick stick figure going across the screen no uh well it is that but it's like for with every new frame, the the old stick person stays on. Mm. So you see the movement, which is obviously like what it's intended to do. Like, whoa, do you do you see how how we've moved ahead now? But we we can still see the movement. Um, but it does make it a bit like like I said, squint and you see it <laughs> basically. Um, but it is it's, it's really fascinating. Fascinating. Like if this is the first animated film, and just. 
I mean, again, like imagine, imagine sitting there and doing this and then be able to watch it back because I believe that there were versions like, I mean, for example, if you, if you have a notepad and you just, you know, do little, a little figure running and you do that on like every single page of your 200 page notebook and you flip them, you'll have a man running and Mm. that's, that's in a way in moving images, but like, Imagine being able to do that and and having it on a format like this. It must have also been one of those kind of yes moment mm. <laughs> uh, when you've achieved it, I guess. So that's why I think this one is really cool. Yeah, and that's uh, also kind of why why I included it. I mean, as a film on its own, I don't really think it's much to look at, but when you sort of mm. put it in, in a historical context, uh, context yeah. it's I think it's fascinating, yes. Um, and after this, we are, we are jumping ahead a few more years, we're moving to 1888, um, and now there's a huge technological uh, advance in film history, you know, there's uh, new types of cameras being invented, and uh, mm. celluloid film becomes more available uh, and is sort of the basis for what some people would argue is the actual <laughs> beginning uh, of film um, mm. when you know when when we're actually putting it on on celluloid film um, mm. so that's that's a boom here <laughs> you could say and, and I I can I can see that because now it looks like film mm. now it's recognizable as that so i i can i can understand why people would draw the line there and kind of anything before that is sort of like experimental they didn't really they tried a bunch of things and then um this is what stuck basically Mm. um but um it's called round hay garden garden scene Mm. uh, by louis le prince maybe you mentioned it sorry if you did um no no no, but um and i think uh and so maybe some people out there will correct me, but I think it's pronounced Louis La Prince. Um, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Because he's French, right? I yes. just Americanized it because I'm Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> right? I'm not Spanish. I'm Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Excellent, yes. So, uh, Le Prince, um, how would you describe it? Like, it's it's two couples in a very, like, maybe four seconds or so, I don't remember, like, very Mm. short, Mm. a moment, let's say, and they spin around each other. It kind of looks like they're dancing, or it looks like they're messing around, um, unclear. Um, But... uh, Damn good outfits, I'll say. That's uh, yes, yes, yes. That's the most important part. Uh, <laughs> love her hat, by the way. The girl on the left, love it. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is a scene from around Hay Garden of uh, some people just moving around in a circle, basically. Mm. And I, I imagine the reason they're just moving around in a circle is that the director has said that you have to keep stay in frame of the camera, you know. So just move around in this area here. <laughs> Pretend it's natural. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, Round Hay Garden scene is the earliest surviving celluloid film, and it's quite impressive because of that that it actually has survived, you know, this mm. far into into the future. Um, 
it is not really much to look at, except for the clothing, as you pointed out. Yeah. Um, clothing is a well worth <laughs> part of the effort here. Like, true, mean... true. I'm I'm not disagreeing with that. Um, but I will say that having as as I have seen so many of these 1800 uh, films right by now. This does sort of kick off a, a genre of a kind, which at the time was sort of actuality films, which basically mm. just means that they took a camera and they put it on a street somewhere and they just filmed people walking on the streets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which, watching it today, is really, really boring. Um, or it can be boring most of the time. Yeah. Um, but at the time, that was just sort of... They were just, oh, we have a camera. We're just going to go out and film whatever really so they filmed people on the streets and they filmed people in gardens and they filmed a ton of trains arriving at a million <laughs> stations all around the world so uh, this this was kind of you know the, the first of its genre really um. <laughs> yeah and two things on that because they um they didn't mention that in the um in the be natural documentary that it it, it really was just like so many people like they would send people uh, these these companies that would would make cameras and, and, and movies mostly the companies that made cameras because they were sort of trying to showcase the camera by having uh, cool cool films you know mm. um, but they would send people like all around the world and they would just shoot um, things that they thought was extraordinary, like maybe some cool dance that they saw or, um, you know, maybe dogs doing tricks, I think they mentioned even. And, you know, just just cool things and also maybe just like putting it on, on uh, you know, on a street, like you said, and just filming like, oh, look, here is um, busy downtown um, London, let's say. Mm. And it was kind of interesting because one of them who was interviewed, he said like, <clears throat> I don't know, I don't remember exactly how it, but the sentiment kind of was like, it was such a, a archival thing to do. Like people would just take pictures of this every everyday thing with no story and no nothing. So without women like Alice and people like Alice, uh, could have been just kind of forgotten because it would just be this sort of actuality mm clips uh, which could get kind of boring like bunch a bunch of clips of trains and unless you're a train enthusiast you're not gonna like whoa no. give me more trains you know mm. so just um kind of a sign up there also you know twirling back to be natural and why i find it even though you might not be super duper interested in uh in hearing a lot about one specific director because maybe that's not your thing but you get a lot of information from the sides, mm. <laughs> let's mm. say, and uh, just like how the climate kind of was back then, also uh, for movie makers. So. Absolutely. But uh, the first, the, I was gonna say two things, but now it's <laughs> absolutely gone. Of course, <laughs> of course, brain. Thank you. Um, uh, well, so you know, wh while you are trying to remember <laughs> what you were thinking of, of um, oh, I will tell the listeners to uh, go on Wikipedia and read up on Louis Le Prince because he's actually quite interesting as a figure. He didn't ah. he didn't produce a lot of films. Uh, I you know, there was just a handful. Um and the interesting thing about him is he disappeared. Like literally oh. disappeared 
he went on a train <gasps> one day and then he was gone. No. Uh, yes. Uh, so there's no. there's a ton of uh, theories and conspiracy theories about oh, this. I love we- that shit. Whether or not he was murdered, whether or not he committed suicide, or maybe he just got tired of his life and he got a new identity somewhere and lived happily ever after. You know, there, no one knows. No one knows. And it's so fascinating. My God. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I, I swear I've listened to a true crime episode like that. <laughs> About him, I'm sure of it. <laughs> but that is uh, that is uh, spooky, mm. uh, spooky how people can just disappear, especially when there's like such an important historical figure as well. It always hmm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, my brain is working on half speed or something because <laughs> I cannot remember what the other thing uh, was that I was going to say. So, oh well. Um, yeah, such a loss for humanity, I know. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> What can you do? Yeah. Uh, anything else on Roundhay Garden or Louis that you think might be? Uh, no, no, um, not really. I mean, like I said, the reason it's on here is because it is the first, according to some people, the very first film uh, that survives mm. uh, or if you're like me and you have sort of a little bit broader of a definition, um, it's the first celluloid film and it's quite important in film history because of that. So it's it's worth checking out, even though looking at it today, it's not much to look at, but it exists. And that's the point. That's what's what's make it uh, cool. Yeah. And it's all it's also just like four seconds of your time. So exactly. Exactly. You know, uh, you don't have you know. much to lose on that, actually. <laughs> And then from that point forward, you can say, did you know what I did once? I watched the earliest surviving celluloid film. Exactly. Yes. Flex a bit. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so something quite different then. After this, uh, we watched Moschina. Moschina from have... 1890. Yes. I have no idea how you pronounce that. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you for um, your solidarity. But it uh, is by, also, yeah, yeah, it's also by Etienne Jules Marais, uh, the same one that made uh, Lom Machine, mm. as we discussed earlier. Um, and this is one of the films that, this one is not very famous, uh, if you ask film historians. This one I included because I think it's incredibly cool. Um, and Me it, too. It, yeah. It is a close-up image or a film of a fly taking off and that's it but it is really really close up image (laughs) and it's slow it's almost like slow motion as well yeah i have i have no idea just thinking of like the technicality of that because Mm. usually like movies from that time are kind of sped up in a way because that's Mm. part of how it was made (laughs) basically so just the 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 process of having that done like timing everything Ah, it blows my mind, actually. Yes, yes. So Um, that's a really cool one in this I mean, the first time I watched this film, uh, I thought I had found the wrong film. I thought, this can't be an 1890 film, you know, because if you're like me and you're delving into this early film history, you will find that uh, there's a ton of films on YouTube that claims to be film A, but it's actually film B because people uh, people are either intentionally misidentifying films or sometimes it's just a mistake, but sometimes, you know, 
they're misidentified for one mm. reason or another. It happens, you know, even even archives misidentifies films sometimes. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but all the sources I've looked at, and, and granted there is not a lot of information on this film in particular, but all that I can find says that this is from 1890, and I think that's incredible. <laughs> it's yeah, just, and it's agreed. so, the image is so clear. I mean, it's how super clear. Ugh. You can see almost like the fussy parts on its legs. Like you have to like again squint a little bit, but you can really imagine it. And I think that's why it's so incredible. Mm, mm. And just you know being able to capture that is just insane when you think about the confinement. Yes, <laughs> that they yes. were working under. <laughs> and I really have no idea how he filmed this. I mean, he had to have had some you know wizard available. You know. Yeah. In, microscope or similar contraption to to, mm-hmm. to capture this and it's you know it's so cool so cool especially because i've seen other films from 1890 that are not of this good quality you know some yeah. some some are just of one person standing and it's sort of just a really blurry image of it and i'm just like what what <laughs> <laughs> you, you make muskina in the same year as this one it's yeah. just so varied quality it's just uh, yeah. you know i wonder <laughs> Because like capturing images back then, it was really f- like a really fragile uh, process, let's say. Like it was really hard to get something on frame. And I think they also sort of talked a little bit about that in the documentary. So that's also something that you can get a little bit of more information on in the documentary. Um, but, you know, just taking pictures, anything back then, there were so many steps involved mm. in that. And so many things can go wrong <laughs> during that. And uh, have you ever taken pictures like um, analog pictures and sort of have, working with developer and things like that? Uh, a little bit, yes. I haven't yeah. developed anything on my own, but I have taken yeah. photos that need to be developed, yes. Yeah, because it, it's um, it's not unusual to have done that if you, mm. depending on what your high school um education was so I did a little bit of that and it's just it's it's very and that's still with like modern that was canon modern cameras you know mm. <laughs> and it's just it's still a very manual thing where things can go wrong and just imagine back then doing all of these things with developer fluids like you can't even know what's in them and and if it's it's really it's really fascinating so my point is like Sometimes I feel like it can be kind of hard to know, like when watch when you're watching these movies, and even when like in in different documentaries when they're using old uh, archival footage that are really old, if it's due to it being bad from the beginning, <laughs> because steps, mistakes, <laughs> <laughs> or if it's because of um, maintenance and and uh, sort of uh, how it was stored mm. afterwards you know mm. um so who knows maybe some some things that we view as really blurry and and um kind of bad quality mm. <laughs> might have been better but we just do not have a better copy of it fair enough uh, yes and, yes, and time will do things to celluloid and and the chemicals that were involved so yes that's a really who good knows? point yeah just a tangential thing here um as i was reminiscing about being in a dark room and <laughs> breathing in things. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, do you know anything else about Etienne that you 
think might be interesting? Not really, no. Mm. Um, he did a handful of films during this period. Um, he wasn't the most productive, but I think the ones that he did made was uh, uh, well made, all of them. Um, he did seem to be sort of interested in the same things that Edward Muybridge was interested in, which was, mm. you know, motion and sort of the move- mm. movements of animals and, and similar things. And he was sort of trying to to apply this new technology that was emerging onto science and anatomy and, and biology and those kinds of fields. Mm. Um like I said, I, I question how much s- science was actually involved, but it's still, mm. uh, it's an interesting do- sort of document on what what they were trying with film media mm. at this point, uh, which was, you know, either people running around in a circle in a garden or, oh, science, um, you know. <laughs> it might be more enthusiasm than science <laughs> a lot of the times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So two years in the future, <laughs> we're making the steps are, no, we're not taking huge leaps now where we went from going seven years in the future. Now it's like, but just taking tiny steps here. So a, a, another film that you uh, picked out for us was, uh, I'm going to try it now, uh, Pauvre Pierrot from 1892. And if I do not get a gold star for that pronunciation... <laughs> Then I'm out of here. <laughs> so it's an uh, animated um, animated film, and it's it's one of the longer ones, mm. uh, with a beginning and an end, and you know, kind of more of a story in this one, which is quite in contrast to what we've seen so far. Uh, and it is by Emile Re- Emile Renault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty uh, good. Yeah. Thank you. I worked all night. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, anything you want to start us off with? Um, well, like you said, this is animated, and uh, I believe Reynaud used sort of his own technology, his own invention for making these animated mm. films. Um, oh, interesting. And, yeah, it was quite uh, quite innovative at the time. Um, and I think it's interesting to see, you know, comparing it with Long Machine, as we watched earlier, how in just seven years we have made this huge leap in animated films because this is so much more interesting than the machine was (laughs) the difference is vast (laughs) cannot be understated Um, (laughs) absolutely uh, and also um, you know this because this film like you said it it has a story it has a narrative um, and just that even if it's not an animated film, it's just regular film. That in itself is really huge at this point because the you know narrative film. You know what's that? You mm. know we're just yeah. starting with film in general, so now you mm-hmm. want to add stories to it. Um, I I just think that's really really fascinating. Um, and Raynor actually made um, several of these animated films at the time, um, but. This one is, I think, the only one that survives in any significant length. Mm. I think there is a a short clip from one of his other films and then maybe just like one image from from a third one. Um, But when later on in in the early 1900s, when his, his technology for making and projecting these films sort of become... 
not modern anymore, <laughs> which is sad to uh. say. But when that's it became sort of outdated actually, and when that happened, he actually threw most of his films into the Seine in in Paris, you know, the river. So they're oh, no. yeah, they were in the, they were at the bottom of the Seine somewhere, rotting away. Um, that's really oh. tragic. <laughs> yeah, and hmm. That's a bit sad. Yes, it's really <laughs> that sad. That he was like, that he was so, like, I, I don't know. It, do you know, um, do you know if it was because he couldn't have them viewed anymore? Or just that people weren't interested because they recognized it as being kind of old school? Do you know any of that? or I don't know the details, but I imagine that... <sighs> Film in the the early 1900s, film mm. and animated film had evolved so much that you know yeah. his films just weren't you know even if he if he projected them and invited people to to view them, they weren't much interesting anymore yeah. Yeah. Uh, in his his work, which is just really really sad. And of course, at this point, there were no thoughts about preserving things for the future you know yeah there was just wasn't on people's mind really um so you know it's it's just went the way it went i guess and it's didn't see the value maybe in keeping things no 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 one wanted (laughs) taking up a lot of space i can imagine Mm. Uh, (laughs) Uh, but this one is special because the um um, the version that that we watched was in color, and I think it must have been in color in his time as well. I can't see that this one have been colorized or anything like that. No. Um, but it is just it is so interesting just the difference um, between the ones we saw previously and this one. It is it is incredible, and to just to think that a lot of his animations are. Um, like you said, rotting away in Sen mm. is uh, is sad. <laughs> but this is a really... It's not the most engaging story, I'll be completely honest with you. Uh, but it is it is an entertaining story. Uh, you have a, a fella climbing on, um, on top of a terrace and he's meeting up with a lady and then the lady comes out she doesn't do a lot but then <laughs> it's sort of mimer i think it's is it a mime is it called mimer mime just i, I think it's just mime mime yeah mime yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who does the pretending that they're in a box and there's nothing around them you know that kind of performer uh, he has that sort of outfit at least i think it's i think that's the outfit do you do you did you do any other connection like is it just a clown or no, um, no, that sounds, uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds correct. Yeah, and, and and he's kind of magical, like he's stepping out of uh, of a door, which this thing, I'm, i am got to point it out, I'll put it out there, because this thing made me think of Bioshock Infinite for some reason. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did not, I was really confused when my brain made that connection. So, <sighs> listener, if you watch this afterwards, or if you've seen it before, did you have such random thought as well? <laughs> Doors opening in the middle of nowhere, Frenchness, maybe <laughs> things. I don't know. It was nice, anyways. <laughs> Is there any like what? What was your like? What was your feelings and and thoughts when you were watching it? Well, when I watched it the first time, I was just, you know, I was so impressed that 
here's the story, here are mm. characters, characters that are significant from each other and they do different things yes. and it, they interact. Yes, they interact and they propel this narrative forward mm-hmm. and it's just I was just so impressed by that whole thing. Um because up until this point we haven't really seen that in film uh, much at all. Um mm. so that that's really one of the reasons why I I put it on the list. Uh, that and the fact that it's mm. animated and it's just sort of really uh, cool animation. Um it's a little bit the animation is a little bit stilted uh times it's not really mm, smooth yeah. uh but i'm completely fine with that because it's just uh um i think it's a really nice experience overall and i think actually looking at several of the films that we're talking about today this one has aged best almost uh yeah you know it's it i think maybe it's the color or maybe it's the the animation uh, but it's just it feels more modern than several of the others. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, because animation does have a certain timelessness that regular mm. photographic image just doesn't in a way. Mm. Um, it transcends. Even though the style might come off as really old, it's, it's still, there is something to it. So I agree with you that it it does feel more modern and more co- coherent almost <laughs> <laughs> than than some some else as we're moving along here, and um, you know just another um, another little comment here on the fact that his I mean we're being kind of impressed here you know thinking of this is done in nineteen eight nineteen oh my god <laughs> in eighteen I gotta flip the numbers around here eighteen ninety two. And just imagine, like, maybe, you know, 10 years or so onwards, this technology is old and it's already moved mm. so fast. It's just, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. Um, so you, do you want to move on to our next one? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to talking about this one. Yes, this is, <laughs> this is special. Yes. <laughs> because now we're adding... Another layer to the dimension here of early cinema, and that is what we're doing right now. Sound. Sound. Um, and it is in 1894. Think about that. It's over. It's so long ago. So long ago. So it is the Dixon Experimental Sound Film by William K. L. Dixon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this one, the the name sort of speaks for itself. This is an experiment. It's very on point. Yes, <laughs> it's an experimental sound film. And I think uh, most people, when they think about early film history, if, if they haven't investigated or explored it themselves, they think of, oh, silent film were the norm up until the 20s. And yes, it was the norm, but they were experimental sound films made mm. during this period um and this is like the earliest example um and they recorded the sound on a wax cylinder which yeah. you might have seen or heard about those really cool uh, invention really um and the 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 wax cylinder with the sound was fought lost for a very long time but then it was rediscovered and they sort of put it together oh it belongs to this this film and you know they 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 are supposed to be such, viewed together such <laughs> awesome sherlock holmes <laughs> right there it's just incredible uh, 
but uh, I mean the the um, the funnel that they're um, that they manage is playing a, a fiddle, I think, mm. uh, and it, it's massive. This this fun funnel, it's it's called a funnel, right? I don't know. I got a bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Let's go with that. Uh, and there's also uh, two men dancing um, next to him, and it's just uh, enormous. And it also it makes you understand why it was it would be so incredibly cumbersome <laughs> and just not worth the while mm. to do let's say talkies and and live music in that way even though they did do that uh further on like there were i believe they mentioned this also in the documentary that they were called uh pho- phono scenes phono scenes mm. i think yeah where you recorded uh i think you could either record it while the scene was happening happening you had these two big different technologies at the same time doing the work for you or as uh, I, I as they said in the documentary that alice was doing a, a bit was also pre-recording the sound and then playing the sound up uh on a um what, what are they called? Gramophone? On a gramophone or something like that. And then having people react to it and recording that. And so then they, you would have, even though there's a lagging effect, like a lag mm. beque- between, they are not doing it at the same time. They are still the same thing, basically. Mm. Which I thought was kind of neat too. But I, I'm trying here to find, because there was a, I'm going to see if I can find it, because there was a, a really fun youtube video that i watched maybe two months ago or so which was a like metal band i believe recording on really old equipment oh yeah and just the uh challenges of doing (laughs) that let's say uh, and having anything even show up on that wax Mm. cylinder afterwards Mm. and it was just really cool to see that in action so if i can find that during this episode like as i'm sitting here and just trying to find it here i'll i'll absolutely let you know because i think it's a kind of fun thing to to have a look at to sort of also get a fuller picture of the um yeah that sounds really fascinating um, i would i would love to see that Okay, <clears throat> I found it. It was really easy. <laughs> it is just called recording on 100-year-old equipment. Oh. And uh, it should show up right at the top because it has 2 million views. So ah. it's really popular. And I would highly recommend it. It was entertaining to see and, and uh, enlightening as well. So check that out in, t- in tandem with this one, mm. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh and so do we want to critique the actual music of it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't think we should do that. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit unfair to be, to yes, be fair. <laughs> exactly. We really shouldn't go into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the sound, the sound quality has aged dramatically, um, as to be mm. expected. Um, uh, but, I mean, just the fact that it survives at all is, is amazing. Um, yeah, and and like if if you watch that um, that YouTube video that I re- just recommended, also you'll see that having like having that kind of sound that you're making show up um, the way that you made it, mm. <laughs> it's just impossible. Mm. It will not sound the same. 
uh, even though you might scream into it, it, it just it just won't. Mm. It's just the limits of the technology. So, um, yeah, and I think this is the last one with sound on our list. I think. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's... say goodbye to sound for now because uh, <laughs> we are moving on. Another Dixon movie. Uh, it's Annabelle Serpentine Dance from 1895. So a year afterwards. Uh, anything you want to? Um, well, um, the uh, sort of dance. Uh, film genre uh, was actually a thing at this point um, and I, I, I think this sort of evolves from the type of film that, that uh, Mybridge were doing you know, motion studies mm. this is not necessarily a study but it is capturing motion and that was sort of a big fascination yes. uh, for filmmakers at the time there were a lot of these dance films, you know, there was Serpentine Dance and Clementine dance and I don't know remember what they were all called butterfly dance was one um and Annabelle was starring in several of them <laughs> um I mean I kind of love that that is <laughs> that that was a subgenre that was really popular it was a really big subgenre <laughs> dance film <laughs> uh, <laughs> it would never again be a thing no I'm kidding <laughs> sorry um, uh, and the reason that I picked this specific one uh, is, first of all, that it's one of the earlier dance films, um, but also that it is um, hand-colorized. Mm. Um, Beautifully. So, yeah, think. well, I would say a little bit crudely. It's not... Uh, uh, I think always. that's why I like it, actually, <laughs> because it is, it's, it's so... It's like someone's gone, gone on... on uh, it's like someone's gone over it with water... water color yeah color thank you like with watercolor it looks it looks impressionistic almost and i think that's why i think it's beautiful because it looks dreamy almost mm. um it it is not done with finesse oh that sounds so harsh when i say it but you know what i mean like <laughs> yes. it's not it's not like it's really trying to get in all the edges here and really get the shades and everything no 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh it's a and it's also shifting in colors as she moves yeah yeah that's because you know first of all the 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 dance itself and the dress that she's wearing is, oh, is very dress. thank you very uh, graceful Flowy. Uh, and 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 just this idea that oh we're gonna put color on this but oh we can mm. do it magical so the color on the dress mm -hmm. changes as she dances i mean just that's just wow that's really creative <laughs> to even think about You're that. right Yes, and I'm, I mean, gonna stop here for a moment, uh, just with the dress, because it is, <laughs> it just looks so comfortable, and yet so pretty, mm -hmm. and also just the quality of the fabric, which I think is what they really wanted to sort of come across, um, it's just, it's so thin, and it's almost like the wind in its movements, mm -hmm. uh, and I just imagine this thin, soft silk on my face, and I just, uh, I want it. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> yes, I will admit. I mean, I did. I did include this film because I think it is uh, an important film in the film history. But I also included it because I thought you would like it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also her hair is great. So you know, there's a lot to appreciate here when it comes to aesthetics. Mm, absolutely, <laughs> <I think. laughs> flaming red hair with bangs. 
looks I mean honestly it looks like something that like Florence uh, Florence and the Machine almost like ah, mm-hmm. a weird interpretation or something that she could wear and do I think so um, it's it's neat that way I think uh, but you know it's a dance it's a dance film I think we'll have a little bit more intrigue now mm, yes Ooh. A little With... bit more horror. Yes. yes, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> and that is with the execution of Mary, Queen of Scots uh, from the same year, 1895. And it's by Alfred Clark. Uh, and the setting here is, um, as it states, it's a, it's a short clip with the execution of Mary, Queen of Scots. So they are in period clothing, which... <clears throat> might far surpass a lot of modern TV series. <laughs> I'm just gonna be nagging here for a bit, but just putting it out there. Uh, so why why did you choose to have this in the mix? Why do you think it's noteworthy? It is one of the earliest examples of a film actually having a cut in the middle. Mm. Um, it has... You see a woman, a real woman, putting her head on the the piece of wood or whatever it is that mm. where the axe is gonna fall, and then it cuts, and then the axe falls, and of course today you can clearly see it's a doll, but it's mm. still, you know that that thing with the cut that you know they're trying, oh they're trying to be so mm. creative with it, and I just love it. I love seeing that, you know, um, and Definitely. and yeah, and also it is. A narrative film to some extent. It's a very small narrative. It's just oh, here she is alive and now she's dead. She we cut off her head, but it's still, you know, it's it's a uh, how should I say it's a it's a fictional film mm. uh, in, in that way. You know, they're trying uh, and they're not even portraying something um, uh, present to them. You know, it's a historical mm. event that they're trying to mm. to portray, and that is really cool because. A lot of early film dealt with, you know, present time uh, sort of mm. news and happenings and, and things like that. So just just this idea of, of having um, this historical narrative playing out on film with this cut, which if you're not expecting it, it's, it's, it's actually quite effectful, I would say. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a crude cut, but it works, you know. It, yeah, because also like if 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 you put it in context here, like if if most things were just a camera and a scene, start to finish, cut, you know, like mm. nothing in between there, then this would be in stark contrast to that. Like you have something almost happening in the middle of it, mm. like using using what you can do with this celluloid material and sort of manually going in and cutting it and making it into something that is really different from these shorter scenes that just play out it before you almost i mean if if you're thinking like if you have if you have a scene uh in front of you uh and, and in one of these films it's it's almost like going to the theater where people are just in front of you for the scene and then it's done mm. but here you have um, almost like a special effect to it. Yes, yes. That uh, I mean, I'm not saying that the theater doesn't have special effects, but you know them in a in a different mm. way. I think so. Mm. That that is that's why I think this one stands out uh, in a way also. And another thing I think is like you that you, were, you that you mentioned here that them sort of looking back and having inspiration 
by taking an, a historical moment. And I think it's really clever because people like Mary Queen of Scots is well known. The story of Mary Queen of Scots is well known generally, let's say. And so just having that as an introduction, um, I don't know if they would usually have like a sort of maybe someone would present it. Uh, verbally, you know, before, oh, we're about to see this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it probably uh, had so, some, some introduction of some yeah, kind. Yeah, so, something like that. Uh, so people kind of, people knew who it was. They knew the significance around this short mm. moment. Uh, and that gives it weight without them having to work around the whole, oh my God, how are we going to make things longer? <laughs> so I think it's, it's, I think it's clever. I think it's clever. Definitely. Um, anything else with this film that you think? Well, I mean, depending on how you define genres, I would argue that it's like the first horror film, um, Mm, to some extent, or at least it's not particularly scary, but it is kind of body horror of a kind, um, you know, with cutting of heads and everything. So, um, for, for horror enthusiasts, I think it might be worth checking out. The first slasher. <laughs> yeah. Let's be bold, yes. Linnea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that is uh, that is a good point. Like, yeah, this could arg- be argued to be a, a first of horror. Um, really, really neat. I, I think it's it's just it's ra- rather uni- unique in this um, pile of films. I think. Mm. Um, but from one horror. To another horror. <laughs> Same year, again. 80, ni- 95 is a really productive uh, year here. <laughs> um, but that is... Um, <coughs> Charcuterie Mécanique <laughs> from 1895. Yes, very uh, good. By, thank you, thank you. I'm constantly working on it. Uh, by Louis Lumière, which is a familiar name, I would say. Yes. He's a very famous filmmaker from the time. Mm. Um, And the reason I included this one is that um, IMDb classifies this as a sci-fi film. And my sort of question is, is it really a sci-fi film? I mean, I I see the motivation here. um, But what what's mostly quoted as being the very first sci-fi film is of course uh, Le Voyage dans la Lune from 1902 by Georges Méliès. And here Mm. we have this upstart that sort of comes like no no i was the first but why do you think yeah. they classify this as sci-fi well i mean uh, i i i kind of get why they do so let's let's paint the picture here for those who hasn't run off to youtube to watch uh, <laughs> all of these movies before and so it is, uh, it is a big box which has the name um, this mechanical uh, butchery. <laughs> I don't even know what it's called in in English, but you know, mechanical mm. butchery. Let's go with that. Uh, and a a poor <laughs> poor pig is being put in the box, and then the um, butcher opens an, another part of the box and he pulls out these bits of the pig. And there is also in the back of of the box, there is um, machinery happening and smoke going out of it. Yeah, wheels turning. Yes, exactly. Wheels turning and and parts of this pig is being uh, brought back. So uh, the the machinery is doing 
the butchering for the humans. Yes. So it is a th- machine of the future. <laughs> yes. It's an idea of a future machine, which the science and technology just isn't there to do yet. So if we go with that train of thought, then yes, it's a science fiction. But... Uh, I mean, it 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 really it depends on where you would draw the lines, like how broad you would use the term. But I can kind of buy that it could be the first science fiction. Um, but the intent behind, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I could be I could be persuaded either way. I think, uh, but I generally keep my science fiction as a genre thought kind of broad in any ways. Mm. So can see it both ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I think I mean my impression of this is sort of that yeah, I, I suppose technically it is science fiction because it mm. deals with technology that is sort of futuristic, yeah, uh, or at least unrealistic at the point that when yeah. film is made. Um but then at the same time I think when we think of science fiction, this is not necessarily the kind of story that we associate with it. Um no. Uh, but I still think, you know, I w- if people say that Le Voyage dans la Lune is the very first sci-fi film, I will mm. not argue against them because I think it's the first like proper science fiction film, what we think yeah. of science fiction today. Um, mm. But I also won't argue against people who will claim that Chakutui Mechanique is the first science fiction film because, yes, I, I, I see the motivation here the the sort mm. of the reason why we might call this science fiction and i'm not disagreeing with that because i i do mm. i do think that we yes there's an argument to be made that this is science fiction and and um i think that's sort of interesting that um we can have that sort of story this early in film history yeah um where I mean, this is really just them sort of playing around and having fun, and oh, I have this crazy idea. Let's make that, and then yeah. bring in the pig. It's just let's do it. Or some butcher was like, "Do you know what I've always wanted to be in existence? This thing, this thing. It might make me unemployed, but I want it. <laughs> do you know who doesn't want it? The pigs. Yep. Yep." Uh, but yeah I think also something else I feel could be worth mentioning with this one is the image uh, of the version that you made available to to us both is very clear Mm. Uh, you can see a lot of details in the background and they are outside and it's it's a very easy watch in that regard I would also say so uh, I mean you can really see the guts and the ribs and all the things, if that's your thing. <laughs> and the, the sausages, the pre-made sausages. Pre-made no, oh, they are sausages. Oh my God, I was like guts and you were like, no, there are sausages, you dumb. <laughs> I think there are sausages. Well, I mean. No, I think so too, because I think they're, I think they are also like, um, oh, what's the word in English? S- smoking things. Like they're making mm, things that yes. are smoked yes. in the box itself yes. as well. So yeah, I think yeah. sausages. I am just so used to <laughs> bad guts in movies that I yeah, initi- but, immediately went there. Not but, with good sausages. I mean, to, they... to be fair, they're also pulling out a, a cut of pig's head from this box. So it is kind of gory either way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, little known fact. This is where uh, they ha- 
got inspiration from the movie Saw. <laughs> Torture Chambers. Yes, you heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then we skip. Finally, finally we leave 1895 <laughs> and we go to 1896. Uh, and we are looking at The Vanishing Lady by... Uh, oh my... How do you pronounce George in French? <laughs> I think... George? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. George. Melie. Let's go with it. Melies, uh, I think it is. Melie. Melies. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, this is one... Yeah, sorry. I'll, 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 let, you, I'll let you start this one off. Yeah, sorry. Um, well, I think George Melies uh, doesn't really need that much introduction. He's really well known uh, for the films that he made uh, in the late 1800s and, and early 1900s. He was incredibly mm, yeah. productive. And he's one of the pioneers in film, like, like fantastic film. And by that I mean like fantasy and sci-fi film. Um, the sort of... The sort of uh, extraordinary film if you like the, the mm. film genres um, and also in special effects um, I mean he was the innovator when it comes to that mm. um, which we are we are seeing a taste of that at this point I mean Melies outside of cinema was a magician so he essentially just said oh I didn't know that yeah that yeah is... <laughs> he's that just makes so much sense he's just continuing on with what he's yeah. done before except now he's actually making films of it um, <laughs> and the vanishing lady is I would say not his his best film or his most noteworthy film but it is one of his earliest films so mm. I, I that's why I included it because it's sort of um interesting to see his origin of a kind I guess um mm. and I think I would I, we haven't talked much about this but I would like to suggest that we have a short film package with just Melies films in the future because I think he has a lot of titles in his uh, cinematography that are really really mm. interesting that we might want to explore no absolutely I am um, I would be so interested to just like go in depth to a few of these um directors and makers I think mm. uh, it would be interesting to see sort of the uh, progression from like a really early film like this one where it is it's I, I mean I really I really like this one though because it is it's does have that sort of I mean it makes so much sense that he was a magician now because <laughs> this is really like a magic trick mm. but using the camera to do the work for you <laughs> basically and it it's like so so successful <laughs> because he's okay setting the scene <laughs> so um is it is it Melia himself that it goes out on yes. stage, do you yes. know? Yes. So Melia goes on stage uh, and it's it kind of, uh, you have um, sort of background um, walls. So it looks like a living room, like a well-to-do living room. And he walks in and he's like bowing to the bowing to the audience. And after him it comes in a woman who is wearing such a good looking dress. <laughs> Such a good-looking dress, which makes me think of a dress that is in an exhibition right now at the Göteborg um, uh, Stadsmuseum, a, a city museum in Gothenburg, which you can't visit because of COVID. <laughs> but uh, don't you want to know the things you're missing out on? Um, anyways, it's a pink dress in there, which is from the same era, and it is... Maybe it's a bit later. Who cares? No one here is has come for my uh, geekiness of dresses, but it's a fantastic dress nonetheless. Um, 
And anyway, so this uh, woman in an amazing dress with an amazing fan, I should also add. Just just putting it out there. Very important she, detail. Very important detail. <laughs> so he's the, he then, she sits down on a chair and he hides her under a big shawl. And then he grabs the shawl. And unfortunately, this is where Melia makes his first mistake. Because... The dress disappears, but she's not meant to disappear yet, kind of, if that mm, makes sense. Mm. So when he's removing the shawl, she's already been gone under the shawl, so it, 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 it's not perfect. Mm. But I will not fault him for it because it is 1896. <laughs> so really, yeah. I'm just being rude. I mean, we, but... are, we are literally watching the birth of special effects yeah, here. So <laughs> Exactly. But I just... It's just fun to point it out but mm. but then underneath is a skeleton um and whoa what the hell but then <laughs> and you might think oh no it's another horror movie it's not he's just sort of made her body disappear because then he puts the shawl back on and she appears clothed and all uh, so i think it was it was a fun take on the disappearing person act mm. Um, it did add something to it more than just cutting her away and then her coming back mm. under the shawl again. So that's why it's it's one of my favorites in this bunch. Just because it did it did something that was a bit fun, I think, with something that people are probably kind of familiar with, like a disappearing act on a magician show and things like that. Mm. <sighs> Man, that dress. Sorry, <laughs> got sidetracked again. Yes, yeah, yeah, it was a good dress. Um. You know, I imagine it being like apricot in my head. It probably wasn't, but I just feel like apricot is an underrated color, and I think mm. I think it would look good in apricot. Absolutely. Yes. So, any 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 thoughts uh, <laughs> from your point of view? Uh, no, I mean I agree with everything you say. It's uh, it's a little bit. How should I say? It's. it's still a work in progress I think of yeah. this whole special effects uh, magician on film scenario mm. uh, but it is still really really fascinating to see I mean him just having this idea of oh I can do this act yeah. with movies and I can do it by using this technique and it's just wow yeah. you know <laughs> you see the potential here absolutely, like, absolutely. that's absolutely. the thing so maybe we'll delve into more Melia's I would, uh, I would love to do that future. in the future yeah, sometime. Yeah, me yes. too. Let's do that. So uh, we're going into something a bit fantastical again, let's say. Uh, from skeleton ladies to <laughs> cabbage ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the Cabbage Patch Fairy, also from 1986. Uh, so this is the f- uh, film by Alice G- Guy who the documentary that we've been talking or mentioning a couple of times here was is about. And it's one of her most famous, I think, mm. at least when it comes to this really early era. And uh, do you want to describe kind of what we're met with here? Because <laughs> um, there's a lot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> there is actually a lot. <laughs> Uh, so we start the scene at this um, patch of land where a woman is growing uh, cabbages, uh, mm-hmm. but then suddenly she starts pulling babies out of the cabbages, which is <laughs> bonkers. It's really bonkers. Absolutely, and they look newborn. I mean, yeah. they are tiny babies, <laughs> just tiny, screaming their hearts out as well. 
And this, she actually remade this in, I think, 1900. Um, oh. Also, I, th- I think it was also called The Cabbage Patch Fairy, or maybe a variation of that. Um, which, it had the same premise, but in that one, there's actually a couple that comes to this patch of cabbages, and it's sort of like, hmm, maybe that baby. Oh, no, I think we want this baby. <laughs> Oh, I want to see that. <laughs> well, that it, sounds... it didn't make the cut-off date of, of 1800s film, so may- maybe in a later um, <laughs> short film uh, package we'll watch that one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that would, be, that would be terrific, because there is a sense of, like, I wonder what happens next. <laughs> like, she's got all these babies on the lawn here. Uh, what happens to them? <laughs> so... I like that 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 there is actually a second part to it um, (laughs) that puts it in perspective. But something that, uh, apart from her having, an again, an amazing dress, um, because fun fact, 1890s is one of my favorite decades, actually, when Mm. it comes to dress history, because it is just amazing. It It honestly is amazing. Just look up 1890s fashion on like Pinterest or something like that, and you have hours of fun before you anyways so the cabbages because the cabbage is super big like these patches of cabbages are very big um that's why you can hide multiple babies behind them (laughs) but they uh according to the documentary they were drawn by a friend of hers so i think it started out with you know oh let's do this and him being able to sort of draw these images i think so i think they look really neat i think this is this is probably the prettiest um and most gleeful of of the films so far yes yes it's very hopeful it's got a really hopeful tone to it and almost whimsical in a way and and like really you just want to know what happens to these babies and i just i think it's Again, one of my favorites. I think it's so... Ah, I just love it. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think... I mean, parts of what attracts me to this film... Um, uh, and uh, Alice Guy-Blachier's films in general is... First of all, she was really a pioneer when it comes to narrative mm. films. Um, I mean, we, we had a few sort of examples of narrative films earlier in this this uh, episode. Mm. Um, but she was really one of the big ones where she was like, oh, I don't want to record a train arriving to a station. I want to record yes. this little piece of story here about yeah. Cabbage Patch Fairies. And I think that's just really cool. Um, and also, there's, I mean, this sort of scenario in this film is... Kind of like mm-hmm. almost a, a folk tale kind of scenario, yes. you know. It, it's not the stork that comes with the babies; it's the cabbage patch fairy, and she grows them in cabbages. And it's just sort of yeah. wow, cool. <laughs> it's it's bonkers, and I I think it's just so creative. And I don't know if if that was something she um, that maybe she picked up from a, st- a story or folklore or something Possibly. like that. But, yeah, I don't know. Possibly. And, and even so, that would be impressive to sort of make this into a really fun little film like this. But if she made it up herself, uh, it's just crazy, mm. I think. Mm. <laughs> it's because it's so it's so strange to have, have a cabbage patch fairy. Just listen to that name. <laughs> um, but but it is it does have something different that I think the others so far hasn't. Like even like if you could 
compared to the ones closest in time here, let's say The Vanishing Lady and um, Charcuterie Mécanique, like these, they those are more like, wow, look at this thing. Mm. They, They're spectacles. The cab- yes. Um, like Mary, Mary, Mary Queen of Scots requires some knowledge around Mary Queen of Scots. Um, Vanishing Lady is more like, whoa, look at this cool trick. Um, Charcuterie is more like, whoa, spectacle, like you say. Mm. So I think this one is sticks out in the bunch um, because there's just something else. Like that's the narrative that you mentioned. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I sort of, yeah, I also f- sort of feel like Alice, uh, she's bringing, she's bringing a piece of herself into this film, uh, mm. with the fact that she's being a, a woman f- filmmaker, um, mm. because the film is, or the film has a clear focus on this woman who's in charge mm. of the cabbages and also on babies. Mm. And it, that's sort of very, uh, sort of more more of a feminine approach to the story than mm. what we've seen in the other ones. Um, and yeah, It's not a pig in a torture box. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is more, you know, I, I don't remember exactly when she, when Alice Gibla, she had her own children, but I think maybe around, somewhere around this point, she had like small children herself. Much later, honestly. Oh, really? Much okay. later, actually. Okay, yeah, well. I think it was, I think she was, because around this time, I think she might have been in her early 20s. Oh, okay. And I think she was early 30s when she had her first child. I see, I see, I okay, my bad, my bad. Yeah, uh, but... but but still, you know, there's there's a connection to, to mm-hmm. children much more in this film than I would say most other films from the 1800s, mm. um, um, which is, I think, a testament to the fact that it was made by a woman. Um, yeah, and children are just so great in in little films, I think. I mean, just look at YouTube and the amount of uh, fun fun baby mistakes. <laughs> but you know, you know, on YouTube, yes. like it's always fun when a baby puts peanut butter all over themselves and they say "bah" or whatever that famous peanut butter baby is. I love that peanut butter baby. <laughs> Man, I am going on such weird tangents right now, but I just. Babies are everywhere. And I just think it's so nice that <laughs> someone would take the time to put them in a movie like this. Like, include them. And being like, look, here's a fun little story about cute babies. Mm. I I think that's really heartwarming. Absolutely, yes. Um, anything else about, like, Alice in general that we don't want to miss mentioning here i mean one thing i would like to just say before i forget about it like so we don't have the incident of earlier <laughs> if you remember Ooh, harrowing times um but it's just like this is her beginning like i'm don't i think this might have been the first thing she did even yeah possibly. and this is her beginning yeah and then uh, like in the documentary where you get to see so much of how she progresses over time and the things that she themes and the things that she attempts to do and uh, just how much she involves women also in in her films it's just it's um i think it's one of the reasons why it's it would be so 
interesting for for many people who are interested in in films and this era and and going forward to watch that documentary to just sort of get a a sense of what happens to one of these people. You see a clip like this, and then then what? <laughs> Where do they go? Mm. Like maybe we'll see we'll, if we do a Melier uh, special as well. Like what? Okay, then what? How did he progress? Mm. Uh, what themes did you try out? So, yeah. Um, anything you want to add to Alice? No, I, I. I mean, other than just check out her films. Um, she she was really a big pioneer of films at the time. Um, and um, as is sometimes the tendency with uh, women pioneers, uh, they sort of get put to the side a little bit, maybe, and forgotten. Mm. And I think uh, mm. she deserves uh, the, all the attention she can get. So watch her films yeah. and, and watch the documentary that we mentioned uh, called Be Natural, um, uh, which is a really good documentary. Yeah, honestly, like we would have to talk about her exclusively for many years just to make up for... Yes. <laughs> yes. That her and so many others like her just weren't mentioned. Were were almost like ignored intentionally, uh, which becomes kind of clear in the documentary as well. Like how how history just tends to forget mm-hmm. people depending on who tells the history. Um, so yeah, check her out, like you say. So then we're moving into action and horror. <laughs> Uh, and that is with Le Chateau Ante Ante? I think so let's go with that I think it's correct (laughs) Uh, from 1897 set the scene for us Linnea Um, so this is another of uh, George Melies' films uh, and this is uh, part of a genre of films that existed at this time uh, that is often referred to as the haunted inn genre. So uh, mm. this uh, particular film is about uh, a man arriving to a castle uh, and he's sort of checking it out and yeah, cool castle. Uh, but then, oh, it's the haunted castle. So, oh, there's a skeleton oh, no. appearing and there's this uh, uh, armor coming to life and, and uh, you know, things teleporting all over the place. And <laughs> it's just shenanigans against all over the place, essentially. <laughs> um, yeah, it is fast paced also. Like. Mm. Very. At first, like, hmm, I wonder what this. Then, then, boom! It's it's just this. This guy can't catch a break, honestly. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and also, like, because it's set in, in maybe like the fifteenth, sixteenth century or something like that. Mm. Uh, so that also adds to to the whole, um, you know, arm armors being being. being I don't know what I was going with. <laughs> Animated. But, uh, it, it, yeah, yeah. It it adds to it. Like, this is things that he could probably encounter in a haunted uh, mansion of this of this era. So um, I, I think it's just, it shows how, how you, how they went from, oh, let's try cutting the celluloid here and mm. see what happens to let's try to cut all of the celluloid <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and just rolling with it. And and again, being impressed with, you know, they have to sort of freeze up every time. Yes. 
yes. something is changed out and I'm sure they couldn't just record over that because film is expensive so they would have to stop and making sure that they are in the same position you know, mm. just technical things like that which uh, you can really appreciate if you actually think about them like you have to with these kind of movies I think really consider the context <laughs> and then you get impressed basically mm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I included this film uh, in the package or on our list because uh, it is, I think, a rather good representation of mm. this oddball genre that existed at the time. And it's just it's it's just the kind of genre that can exist in the 1800s. And, and... It's dance movies and haunted inns. It's just yeah, insane. Yeah. And, and train arrival <laughs> scenes. I mean, that th- those three things is like all of the 1800s. <laughs> Imagine going to the cinema back then. What a weird experience. Absolutely. Yeah, so weird. Um, and I picked this specific one over other Haunted Inn movies from, from this time period. Uh, first of all, because it had a historical setting and I kind of thought that was more vis- visually interesting than some of the mm-hmm. others. Uh, and also it's colorized and I kind of wanted to see that uh, uh, representation. Um, it yeah. is. I, I would say that I think the colorization is better than Annabelle Serpentine does. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, and we're seeing progress here. It would need here. to be. Yeah. I think it needs to be better here as well because in the other one you can sort of excuse it as mm. creativity and having it being a bit more flowy even with the colors and everything. Here it wouldn't make sense if his red outfit was red just in certain spaces mm. and then moving maybe a bit too fast and you know things like that. So uh yeah, but it is it is very well done and and um fun <laughs> also. I uh, I, this is the one that made me chuckle actually <laughs> when I watched it and I think that's impressive when it's it's over 100 years old and I and it got a, a chuckle and a smile from from um, someone in 2020 absolutely uh, so I mean it's not it's not really Christmas soon I mean we're moving towards it but I would be cautious to say that it's actually Christmas anytime soon but um Let's let's get in with this Christmas spirit <laughs> and end with that note. And we'll do that with uh, Santa Claus from 1898. And, uh, you know, why are we watching a... Uh, <laughs> this <laughs> um, well it's it's a film made by uh, george albert smith who uh, was uh, i think quite a famous name from from the time period mm. um at least he's one he's a director that i have encountered several times as i've been exploring uh. this time period so i can i kind of wanted one of his films on the mm. list and santa claus uh being more sort of fantastical in nature felt like a good yeah. fit for for the list and for Definitely. the podcast um mm-hmm. and santa claus is also considered the very first christmas films uh, so I think it's kind of worth worth noted, no, noteworthy for that. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I just, uh, I think it's so interesting to see how Santa Claus, because Santa Claus is coming down. Well, I'll not start there. I'll start with a woman putting two children to bed. And then we see... It's sort of projected, let's say. It's not projected as they were recording it, but it's projected 
onto the um, wallpaper mm. of of the of the bedroom, and you see what Santa Claus is doing upstairs on the roof, and he is lowering himself, really squeezing himself into the <laughs> chimney, and then uh, arriving into the bedroom and putting one toy each because back then. Santa didn't hand out hundreds of toys to one little spoiled child. No, no, you get one toy each in your um, Christmas sock. And it's just so interesting to see that that sort of um, concept of how Santa Claus behaved and what he did Mm -hmm. and like at what time during the day he did things um, was established at this time. Um, I think that's kind of cool to see. Um, yeah, and I, I quite al- expecting. Yeah, yeah, I also think this is a really fascinating film from a, a filmmaking perspective because, as you say, we mm. are always in the room with the children and, and their bed, but we're also mm. seeing parts of what's going on in the on the roof. Yeah, and that's I mean, for us in 2020, that sort of jump in space, yeah. in, in in the the the, the, the film space. That, that comes to us naturally. We're used to that kind of scenario. Uh, you know, if we're watching a movie today and there's two people talking to each other and, and uh, one of them is filmed from from the front and we're seeing them sort of sitting maybe a little bit to the left and then there's a switch to seeing the other person from the front and it's sitting maybe a little bit to the right. You know, we sort of we can make that jump in space in our heads because we are familiar yeah. with that sort of, you know, that, that sort of storytelling. Effect, or yeah. Yes, mm. exactly. Uh, but in, in, in 1898, there were no such standards of cinematography. So, I mm. mean, just this, this idea of, oh, we're going to stay in the room with the children, but we're also going to see what's going on in the, on the roof. Yes. And it's sort of... Oh, you know, it's implied that it's going on at the same time, and it's just, mm, yeah. you know, that that sort of temporal and 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 space, spatial, uh, yeah. yeah, temporal and spatial um, um, cinematography is just it's so innovative at this point. Uh, and I think, yeah, because uh, yeah. yeah, I think most people won't <laughs> notice that kind of thing. Uh, but I who have seen a lot of the films from this period and also have seen a lot of documentaries about it I, I i can sort of see that oh that's actually a really special thing about this yeah and it's one of those things like when as, as you're seeing it or at least i was like i was like thinking like how how did how did they do that though because the background is black uh, there is a wallpaper but then when uh, when the woman turns out the light it's just like black fabric Mm. <laughs> wallpaper we'll call it like that yeah. because it's not but but the illusion of an it's also the, an illusion of a dark room now because she's turned out the light but then so i wonder if it's as simple of a matter that you're basically just holding it over the other film in the dark room when you're like I don't know. I don't know how how they would do something like that. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure it's it would be a technique that you would use like way up to digital <laughs> times. I I I'm sure it's it's like that. But just just thinking of that and then thinking that someone would have to experiment with that. Like this wouldn't be the experimentation. Like they would probably do something before that. And just imagining a few versions maybe before this. Uh, where they tried out different things and saw and, and sort of figured out what, what worked, you mm. know. 
uh, it really makes you appreciate the the groundwork that they that they started to lay and then that that's been continuously uh, laid after that and just become this language that we are intuitively aware of and just know because of we're used to that kind of storytelling now mm. so yeah it's a really good it's a really good and interesting example of like you say an actually really cool um cool cinematographer tool let's say mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. yeah i don't know exactly how they made the effects in this film uh because they have like uh, i mean they have essentially just cut in a smaller film and a bigger film mm. but uh i mean for example george meliers i mean some of his special effects uh, he did, did like double exposure of, of yes. uh, his film so that he essentially had two layers on the same film strip uh, kind of that's what um, i was trying yeah, to yeah. explain but, but i didn't have the name for yeah. it really um but that's also what they use like that's super common in in photography mm. just in general and like from because i think photographs were kind of good at the 1840s already so they did have that to lean back on like mm. how did they do certain effects how did they do retouching and things like that so that is, of course, knowledge that they can sort of work on and just be like, hmm, well, how could we do that? But with moving images instead. Uh, but still, I, th- still, I still find it really impressive. Um, Absolutely, yeah. To, th- to think of it and, and do it in a successful way. So um, now we have watched and talked about all of these films. Yes. And I think it's um, going to be a record long episode because we are... Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> oh, we didn't even... <laughs> Hang in there, listener. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But yeah, damn. But there is a lot to talk about. Mm. And it might, it might in, your, in, 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 a, in your head, it might seem like, well, we're watching 10 silent movies and they're all um, really short. But there is really so much to talk about. And it's so interesting to delve into... The history like this mm. um yeah and i i will say i mean i i think there's 13 or 14 movies on our list here and, and it was a real challenge to squeeze it down to 14 yeah. <laughs> <Can> I, <imagine? laughs> I mean but you've done you've done a really good job with this uh with this list and and the kind of selection that you've you've done is just i think it really shows uh, uh, how broad and how the development and what the kind of things that people were trying to do mm. at this time. So I would really encourage um, the listener to to look at at the YouTube list that that we make available and and um, have a look for themselves and you know yeah think of yeah. the context and just you know take part of it because it is. It's it's history and it's yeah I I am actually really happy with how this list turned out um, and yeah. the selection that that I managed to squeeze on it um, and I think it's really fascinating to even in this short time period I mean we're dealing with like twenty twenty five years here in total mm. that we we're moving uh, mm. over um, to to actually see development during this time I mean we watch I mean development in animation and in colorization and in narration in it's film insane. yes. Uh, it's it's absolutely amazing to to see that um and just to think like even if you were living in let's say the 20s or something like the the idea of 
filmmaking mm. is already kind of old in a way. Like it's already like a generation or two be- behind you, you know. So it puts things in perspective. And I think it's also interesting, like in, with history in general, but, um, you know, thinking about this kind of history, like these people also started the foundation of how we think of stories like Mm. even how we may even picture things in our head because we're watching moving media so much that i do think it inflicts the way (laughs) we think and how we picture things and 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 this is a part of that history as well so um i I think anyone would do well to dip their toes into this and they don't have to be like you know oh overwhelmingly wow this is the most amazing but looking at it and just being like hmm thank you uh, whatever director you think of today because this was a um a necessary for anything that you like in movies to happen afterwards <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> just showing a bit of appreciation i guess to to the ones who went first absolutely yes mm. um and as we said uh, we're probably going to do more of these short film packages in the future um how and when and and about what is uh, remains to be seen but i think we're going to do more of them mm-hmm. um, absolutely so listener have you seen any of these films or are interested in seeing them um we want to know what you think so go to our facebook page starcraft podcast where you can share your thoughts and also give us recommendations for future episodes uh we're also on instagram uh, also at starcraft podcast uh, so check us out there as well uh, and join us in two weeks as uh, we sit down and we take a big leap into the sarlacc pits and watch star wars a new hope Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>